Good evening, everybody. I'll call this meeting to order, school committee meeting for November 1st, 2023. And we'll start by uh, pledging the flag. I pledge allegiance Just to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All right, so um, let's approve the agenda. I know we have at least one change, um, which would be under the chair's report to uh, postpone the FY25 capital requests, technology and facilities. We're just taking a little bit more time to get some um, refining of that request, so we'll probably see that next time. I'll talk a little bit about that in my report. Perfect. Okay, so we'll take that off our agenda. Are there any other changes to the agenda? The school building committee did not meet. Okay. <clears throat> Great. Um, Bev, I know you're going to need to leave before the meeting is over for your event. Um, should we do the finance subcommittee report? Make sure we do that while you're still with us. So we haven't met since we last convened as a, as a full school committee, but we do have two vendor warrants. Okay. Um, so why don't we do this? Is it okay if we just... Um, do citizens speak first, quickly approve those vendor warrants just to get them out of the way, and then go to your report? Okay. Um, so is there anybody here for citizen speak this evening? Is there anybody online? All right, um, so let's just move right into uh, finance subcommittee and the vendor warrants then. Member Ross Denny. We have two vendor warrants to approve this evening. We have vendor warrant number 16 in the amount of $533,872.04 payable on October 26th. And we have vendor warrant number 17 in the amount of $393,305.80 with a payable date of November 2nd, 2023. May I have a motion to approve? Second. So, so moved. A second? Second. Thank you. All in favor? to do a roll call yeah i think we do a roll call vote since you're on the zoom right so um member varnes yes member loring yes dr miranda yes dr carol yes and member two yes naivo yes thank you great thank you so uh now uh, Peter, hand it over to you. Thanks. Great. 
Um, so it seems like there's a lot on my list here to, to talk about. Um, wanted to first say it was great to see some of you at Monster Dash. Uh, that was a great event. I'd heard a lot about it from MFE, and um, even though the rain was just kind of like wanting to dump, it waited until after the race. Some of you probably are still sore from the run. <laughs> but um, it, it was just a, a great event and, and really nice to see people come out and, and be together and, and celebrate schools um, and community. So that was really, really nice. Um, wanted to share a brief transportation update. Uh, we've been kind of ongoing um, discussing how to deal with the wait list we have. Um, I did have a conversation with um, Nick, the town administrator. Um, kind of talking about our predicament and the the number of people on the wait list, which is still pretty high. It's at least a bus. Um, we talked through it. Um, the current plan right now is um, to go to the, um, the town finance subcommittee next week to have an initial conversation. I believe that meeting is on Thursday. And I think Glenn's going to go because I'm at the the conference with Lizzie, the MASC, MASS conference, um, and then go to the select board on the 14th to to uh, request ARPA funds for an additional bus. So when, when Glenn gets back, we've had an initial um, call to the um, transportation service. We'll call them again early next week and kind of begin to talk about what, what might it look like. Glenn is the holder of the software which we purchased. We purchased actually a new software program this year to like a root, root creating software. So we'll go back into that. We'll look at kind of what we can do. We can't do a wholesale, you know, um, new routes everywhere just because of, well, there are a number of factors involved in that. Um, but we think we can, we can deal with um, not every single student, but most students. And then as we look to next year, you know, basically start anew with the the current numbers and and plan for that. Um, it will be something we're talking about during the budget process because there will be a budgetary impact. Um, I'm not sure. You know, in in redoing all the routes, where we, we might be able to find a few efficiencies. Uh, I don't believe we have many buses right now that are running at half capacity. So it's not like we have a number of additional seats that are just unused. Um, we just have a lot of, a lot of uh, students riding buses. So um, that's a real positive. And we heard, um, we heard one public comment, but we've been hearing a lot more um, direct comment from parents just kind of sharing the, the need to, to have that and the challenge it's putting on them to get students to school. So I um, was excited that um, those funds are potentially available and we'll continue to work on that. So I'll um, come back with more information, hopefully at our next meeting on the 15th. Um, uh, so just to be clear, the ARPA funds one-time funds. So if this were, this is something that would allow us to solve it for the current school year, but in order to meet this need for the town next yeah. school year and future school years, we need to incorporate this within the budget um, exactly. Okay. So just yep. want to make sure that's clear. And then the people on the students on the wait list currently, 
I think we said at the beginning that we were able to meet kind of all the demand K through five, and so it's all kind of by Pierce. law we have to. Yeah, yeah. and so it's yeah. Pierce and um, high school students. Is, yep. is it like almost all Pierce, or are there how many high it's school? It's a it's there? a combination of both. Yeah, it's pretty split between those two. But fortunately, the the concentration, you know, I think they're in. in uh, I think it was by precincts potentially. It might have been precinct two had the highest number. Is that East Milton? No, seven. Anyway, that I think yeah. East Milton had I think was twenty nine, and then you know we were looking at well if you picked up in that area and then you got others on the kind of like along the way and. Um, you know, and potentially this might be the route might be a little bit longer than normal, but if if we can get more students, I think that would be beneficial. So we'll we'll be looking at all that. Thank you very much for looking into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, phase one of my entry plan I mentioned last uh, I had a couple of weeks, so today is officially phase two. <laughs> Does the world feel different or? A little. <laughs> um, I, I, I forgot that it was phase two when I woke up, but I eventually remembered. Uh, so there's still a little bit of work to, to kind of finalize surveys. I, I do want to push this out to get more student response. Um, so I talked to high school and middle school um, this afternoon in terms of advisories um, as a potential place where students would be able to have access to that. Um, it's going to go out in uh, Friday communications to parents. So it'd be great if we could get a few more responses. So I'm going to leave that open for probably another week or so um, and beginning to, to plan with the, the team um, You know what that prior report, how we're going to consolidate all that data. And, and really use it as an opportunity, not just to share back out what I heard, but to also really kind of do an assessment of where we are. Mm -hmm. um, if you read through um, these kinds of entry plan reports, oftentimes the superintendent will just share, you know, I heard this, I heard that, and this is these you know four areas are areas we need to look at and work on. What I'd like to do is also use the opportunity to do like a, a deep needs assessment as well of the, the district. Mm. Um, I think we need to do that to, to really kind of set the platform to have the conversations that we're going to be having as we move into the spring and start really talking. And some of this is gonna be real deep staff work to be talking about, you know, what does all this mean for us? Um, and, and how can we really kind of build forward in a big way? Um, so I'm excited about that. We are continuing to work on the short-term space needs. In our meeting here two weeks ago, we brought forward that capital requests, and, and um, Chris Hayden and I left with the plan to continue working on that capital request um, and really looking at what could we do in, with, with, in terms of short-term space needs with this current budget. Um, we are still, that is still in play, so that's why Lizzie mentioned that that is, was tentatively put on the agenda, and, and after Chris and I did some more digging late last week, we realized we wanted to bring a, a tighter number forward. So we're, we're continuing to work on that. Um, 
and we'll have it by the 15th. And I've, I mentioned I've talked with the, the town and they're, they're good in terms of the, the committee. Lizzie's work on that capital improvement planning committee. Uh, the timing works for us to, to bring that to the 15th to finalize that. Um, and, and I'm working on other short-term spacings not directly related to this capital request, but um, and a few other avenues too. So I hope to have some good news to share on that too in the weeks ahead. Um, was here, I um, wanna thank all the town officials for hosting a coffee here yesterday. Uh, we were right here. There were scones and everything on this table. Um, and I got to spend an hour with everybody who works here. Uh, it was great to, to meet some people I hadn't met yet and uh, see all of them in action and uh, everyone was super kind and welcoming. Uh, we, we talked about enrollment, I think, in the last meeting. I think, Mark, you were, you were asking about enrollment. So I'm going to bring forward an enrollment report in our next meeting. Just wanted to let you all know. Um, and, and I have it now, but I wanted to have it as an agenda item as opposed to just in my report. So um, we're going to bring that forward on the 15th. MHS Marching Band took a silver medal at the, um, the Marching Band State Final. I don't know if you have heard. Nice. Right? <laughs> and um, if you didn't know, MHS Susical is coming. Do you have tickets yet? Not yet. Okay. 16th at 7, the 18th at 2, and 7, and the 19th at 2. So that's like right before Thanksgiving, that weekend before. And that's my report. Thanks. Any questions? I have one about the transportation. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the additional costs. You're talking about the FTEs to staff the bus. Is that right? No, it, it's the it's the cost of the driver and the bus, not FTEs. I think, are you with what Mark was saying? No, so you had mentioned that Nick um, offered to use our bus to secure an extra bus. So I was just trying to differentiate between what costs would be incurred by the town versus the district. I, when I say oh. FTE, I mean driver. So I was oh, okay. you know, okay. would be paying for a driver, but the, the actual physical asset of the bus Mm -hmm. Is that something that's a long-term lease and maybe the town is making the first payment instead of just making the entire purchase on our behalf? We wouldn't be buying the bus. We would just be purchasing the services of the, the driver and the use of the bus for the next seven months or whatever it is. So they're just, they were willing to fund that for one school year. Is that what it is? That's, we haven't gone before them yet, so this is all tentative, but that, that was the conversation, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yep. So we lease the town, the, basically the district is leasing the buses, it sounds like. Yeah. Got it, thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So, we have these two Glover School Site Council. 
And then the field trip approval, are we taking them in that order or what, what do you Why don't we do the field trip approval first? That might make sense. That <laughs> I see some head nods like. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Come on up, thank you so much. Um, so we have this document um, in our folder. And the music trip proposal. Yeah, this is the 2024 music trip proposal. Um, and we um, we're not voting on this, but we're just kind of hearing the update from you all about about the preliminary proposal. So thank you so much for being with us. And actually, maybe we should do some quick introductions. Um, so I'm Lizzie Carroll. I'm the chair of the school committee. Uh, my name is Bao Chu. I'm a member. Selena Miranda, and I'm the vice chair. Mark Loring, member. Anna Varghese, member. Beverly Ross, Denny, member. Peter Ross, superintendent. Mm -hmm. First, okay. Hi, my name is Emily Bolin. I'm a, high, um, I'm a middle high school senior, and I live in the music department. I'm a drum major for the, the Milton Wildcat Marching Band. Ooh. I'm the secretary of Triumph, which is the Music Honor Society, and I'm the librarian of the concert band. So I, I live here, and I do a bunch of different um, ensembles. I am in band. I'm in jazz band. I'm in marching band. I do a funk group. You know my funk group. Oh, yeah. um, I've, I've experienced that. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I do everything. <laughs> And I just, um, I'm Karen Hughes. I'm the director of PS through 12, um, Fine Performing Arts. And I brought Emily here with me because she is an aspiring music educator. And I wanted her to see behind the scenes of what a school committee does um, in association with the content that she's studying and, and looking forward to um, being an educator. So. And she's very involved. I'm tired. Well, thank you both so much for being here. So, um, we do have this document, but can you just tell us a little bit about the plans, and then we can see if there are any questions. So it is a cultural trip. We're going to Philadelphia, and on the trip, we are going to taking about. 100 plus students. Um, we worked with Landmark, which is an agency, to book the travel. It was the most cost-effective one that came back to us. Um, we will be visiting the Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra, where one of our own, um, Charlie um, Charlie Rosemarin, just received a position as associate principal percussionist with the Philadelphia Orchestra. So that's exciting. And then we'll also see Beautiful, the Carol King musical, and Ragtime at the Dutch Apple Dinner Theater, amongst other pieces of the trip. But those are the highlights. And I'm also looking forward to sharing a cheesesteak <laughs> and going to the Rocky Steps. So the, the trip involves a lot of fundraising. Um, the cost is significant. It's $900. We've taken a poll where students self-reported um, financial need, and we have worked out a timeline for payments, and we've also did it um, in accordance so a student could pay for their entire trip by fundraising. 
and we have various fundraisers throughout the time between now and when the payments are finally in installments are due. So we have a citrus fruit sale, we have a fair trade gift sale, we have a Milton music gear sale, <laughs> holiday grams. Can tell us about holiday Yeah, grams? so for Valentine's Day, um, if you want it lunch, you can buy like a little like Valentine's Day card and we can you can write your name, you can write a little message and then to deliver it, we'll like play you a little song. So for example, last time, last year, um, me and a couple of friends, we played um, La Vie en Rose and I played trumpet, my friend Britt played flute and it was a lot of fun. We, it was fun for classes to see like the music department go around, but yeah, it's like a little treat we do. We also have a bottle and can drive, and we facilitate the Hillard's um, chocolate fundraiser. So those are all, in the past, the trips were completely paid for by these fundraisers for students. So students have an option where they can fundraise, and if they want to just give it to a fund where we'll distribute it as well, that will be done too. Mm -hmm. And I think we also talked about how we have cabaret, which is like a little talent show kind of thing for music. Um, like the fun, like the donations from that can also go to the trip. And my like my funk band, for example, like we get any donations from that, we can put that towards our trip instead of taking it for ourselves. So, so it's a community effort. Sounds great. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Does anyone have any questions? No, keep us posted on the date so that we can also be part of it and support however we can. Thank you. We're also working with the school nurse. Um, Kim, Kim Coughlin was gracious enough to offer that Shannon Aki would come with us. And we had students, because of the, the size of the student body, we really feel that we, we need someone that's familiar with our student body and, and familiar with our students' needs, medical needs. So she, Shannon has agreed to um, take the trip with us, so we're excited for that as well. And you keep the ratio to 10 to 1, was that yes. right? And um, can you speak to the, I, I think I saw the security? Oh yeah, the Landmark, um, they offer hotel security, so we don't have to stay up the whole night. We will take the doors and we will do our, our check, but at 11, at 10 p.m., um, the security takes over for us mm -hmm. and ensures the students stay in their rooms from 10 p.m. until, I think they work till 4 a.m. And I don't think our students will be up at 4 a.m. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll be tired from all the activities we'll be doing. I got it. That's great. Yeah. Great, well, thank you so yeah. much. Sounds exciting. Yeah. I'm sure it will be really fun. It will be. <laughs> thank you for allowing us the you. opportunity. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank, thank you for so sharing. Much. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, we got the Glover, Glover team. Do you want me to call up when it's under my report? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Hi guys. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah. I'm just gonna make sure I know how to work Garth's fancy thing. Did I do it? Oh, good. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for having us this evening. I know it is 
the evening after Halloween, so you're probably tired. I'm tired too. <laughs> I have two little ones who kept me up nice and late tonight, but I'm so lucky because I have amazing Glover um, representatives here with me tonight. And it's so exciting to get to share with you guys some of the stuff that we do. I wish we could bring you to school. A lot of you have been already. If you haven't been, come. Well, actually, you all have been. Um, but feel free to come and see us anytime. Um, I always say that on my worst day, five minutes in a kindergarten classroom on the rug with them and everything is better. Um, so if you're ever having one of those days, just know 255 can't nap, come anytime, we know who you are and um, we'd love to have you. But thanks for having us. We had a great day today. We had a full day PD, um, which was great for our kids, of course, because they're exhausted. Um, but it also was just a wonderful, it's, it's like this golden opportunity we get twice a year to really come together as all four schools. All of our early release days are um, tricky because we're all on different schedules. They're great, but they're tricky. And this was really an opportunity. And you'll hear a little bit about some of the PD that we are engaging in, but it was a really exciting day. And then on Monday, Dr. Burroughs spent the day with us at Glover. Um, he had a lunch bunch with second through fifth grade. Um, and that was tons of fun for, I think, Dr. Burroughs as well as the kids. So. <laughs> Um, it's been a really exciting week, so we're excited to be here tonight, and we um, can't work your thing, sorry. <laughs> um, so we have a wonderful site council, and like I said, assistant principal Melissa Craven is here. She's our assistant principal and curriculum coordinator, and our amazing fifth grade teacher, Colin McMurray, fresh haircut, ready for the meeting, um, <laughs> is also here. Um, and then joining us in spirit, because I heard the room was really small and they're all tired too, um, amazing uh, adjustment counselor, Siop Allen. And then we have four parents on our site council, Sarah Forte, Aldo Guerrero, Sarah Hart, and Chris Sharkey. So we're thrilled to have all of them as part of our site council. Um, and we're just gonna share a little bit about who we are um, and our goals, our school improvement plan goals and a brief data highlight. And then we'd love to you know, answer any questions you might have about Glover School. So. All right, so I'm gonna talk us through um, what our classrooms look like right now. And this year we're very fortunate because we lost a fifth grade bubble class, but we didn't gain one in kindergarten, which is allowing us to utilize that classroom space as a hybrid music art classroom. And the way we're using that space is our K through two classrooms go into the art music room for art class and our three to five students go in for music class. So it is a nice little luxury this year that we have to have that alternative space for some of our kids to do art, some to do music. Um, but when we look at our numbers, they're we kind of see that kindergarten is looking pretty even right now with about 22, 23, which is typically high for kindergarten classes. Um, and then we go into our grade one, which we see to our two French classes are a bit higher compared to our English. However, that's not the case for all of our grade levels. If you look at third grade, um, the French numbers and the English numbers are kind of flipped. Um, and we do kind of give COVID, I guess, the credit for that, um, for those numbers. Mm. Um, so we are still seeing, um, though our French number is typically a little bit higher um, when we have four classes in a grade level as opposed to our years that we have bubbles. Um, so those are our numbers currently. 
So here are just um, a screen of all the supports that we have at Glover right now. Um, these are some of our tier two intervention um, supports for our students. Our student support team, which is run by um, the district inclusion specialist, uh, Maureen Butler, who oversees all four elementary school student support team, which is awesome because it kind of gives all four schools the same playing ground when it comes to referring students to student support team. And our team is made up of a bunch of amazing, talented people. And then whoever is the teacher who um, is submitting that student is also part of that conversation and team as well. Um, our BHST team, um, that is also another great team with a lot of amazing people in it. And again, the teachers who are referring students are also part of that conversation. So we did add the numbers of the referrals as of right now, November 1st, but we did also want to highlight the numbers from last year. So the reason why our behavioral health support team numbers are so much larger is because the same student can be referred throughout the year. So it's not 167 solo students. It could be students who have been referred throughout the year, as opposed to student support team where our numbers are just per student because we follow them throughout the year. Um, depending on what the team thinks, it might be an eight-week check-in or a 12-week check-in from there. So that's just to explain the numbers and why the BHST numbers look so much bigger. Um, so this year, we are very fortunate um, to have a math interventionist just for Glover. Um, so she is really able to kind of see more students. And our numbers right now are for 39. That doesn't stay the whole year. Our math interventionist team with Brian, um, they always look at the data and they will create new teams throughout the year or um, different um, support groups. The same with our reading specialist. We have one for grades one and two, as well as um, a reading specialist for grade three. Um, and then we have our EL um, students. We have our early literacy and learning coach who sees just kindergarten. Our early literacy coach works with Glover and Cunningham. And then we have another one who works with Collicott and Tucker. Um, then for our specialized programming, these are our um, special ed programs that we have language-based, we have foundations, and we have Compass, which is formerly known as STEP. Um, we are trying to streamline our programs a little bit more so they're consistent with the middle school and high school. It's easier for our special educators if, they, if we have the same name for the programs because I think that's been an issue the past couple years where our special educators who are sending students off to the middle school, and I know it's the same case for middle school to high, um, the understanding of all the programmings at the different levels sometimes aren't as clear, so that's why we're trying to streamline it with the same language and names. Um, and then we also just wanted to incorporate our total IEPs as well as our total 504s for students that we are supporting in a tier three. Jeff, do you have a question? Yeah, I have a question about how many school adjustment counselors you have. So we have two adjustment counselors. Um, Ms. Allen, she is our adjustment counselor for our Compass program. So she um, does a lot of like wraparound care for the families within the Compass program. So although she is servicing students um, throughout the day one-on-one -on -one, and also kind of responding more in a therapeutic when a student is having maybe a trickier time, but she also does so much wraparound care with the families whereas we have another adjustment counselor and he sees um, everyone else outside of that program and he's doing more direct services throughout the day as well as that um, wraparound care too with his families as well. Thank you. Yeah.
So our school improvement plan um, very much mirrors the district's strategic plan, and that's intentional. Um, and we are working around three goals, um, and we believe, as the district does, that uh, we can bring our students to their highest levels of personal success and achievement if we provide personalized learning experiences for them. But we know that we can be as personalized as, as we want to be, but if we have not established a foundation that is safe and supportive and equitable, our students are not gonna be able to learn to their fullest potential. So we do believe, just like the district believes, that, that those foundational blocks are, are critically important. I won't read to you all the words that are associated with each of our goals. They are very similar to the strategic plan, but we're gonna highlight a little bit about what we're doing in each of those goals. Um, fifth grade teacher, Mr. McMurray's gonna share a little bit about our first goal, academic achievement and personalized learning. So our big goal for innovative teaching is crafting that personalized learning, but also in a sense, making sure that kids get what they need. Since that if you have 24 students in class, they may not all benefit from the same lesson the same way. Um, we're really driving that approach by those assessments. And it's not just like everyone hears assessment, they think big test and you know kids are nervous. But in reality, it's a variety of assessments such as you know, our iReady data, which we can do you know, teacher assign lessons on that give us direct feedback on how they did, what parts they didn't do well on. You're also see that we use exit tickets, so kind of in the moment to exit a lesson, we'll give them maybe two problems that they do independently that allows us to check it quickly and see maybe what specific part. Like for me personally, we were doing long division and I was seeing that the students understood the steps of long division the same way that you learned it probably when you were in school, but I saw that a lot of the errors were in their multiplication facts, you know, and they were saying, well, two goes into eight and they would say three times and do six instead of getting it all the way to the eight. So stuff like that allows us to see what a student might need. And then the next day or later on that week, when we do our centers and we break them up into smaller groups, it would allow us to then, you know, pull some kids who have that same issue. And that way we can directly, you know, go after that and help them out and support them. So that way, when they rejoin the whole class, they can see it. So um, by doing that, it kind of allows us to craft more specific lesson plans for our kids or even just quick check-ins. I mean, it's not always that you need to do a lesson. It's stopping by them right after you, you know, begin the activity and saying, hey, like, let's chat real quick. How can we fix this problem? Or how, how do you think you're doing? And they're pretty honest. And they're like, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, what don't you get? Like, there's something in particular. It's not the whole thing. Um, so that's definitely a big way of how we're kind of personalizing instruction. There's also a variety of different things with, you know, content that we're doing in science and ELA. And I'm just a big fan of math, which is shocking compared to, if you ask my middle school teachers, they would not have agreed at the peers. Um, <laughs> But so then for time on learning as well as sitting down and kind of figuring out what's the best way to effectively craft a lesson to fit those minutes that we're getting in the classroom, because as you all know, school ends, you know, I mean, it's not like it goes on forever and ever and on a school day. Um, so just making sure that we are effectively planning a lesson so that way we can cover all the content necessary, but also finding time to craft more hands on activities that are going to really benefit the students. So like for fifth grade, what we do with science is we have a lot of experiments. We're doing evaporation. So we'll you know, make water cups, so with salt water, and we'll put them outside. And finding time for stuff like that, just so that way it becomes more enjoyable and they actually see it happening, right? Because you can give them a worksheet, they can follow along, and they can do the bare minimum and then say, oh, yeah, I know evaporation works, and repeat what you said. But really getting them to see it and interact with it and getting hands on, or maybe even like creating their own projects or we do activities through like scraps and stuff like that. So it's really kind of using our time on learning and personalized instruction to really kind of craft that activity and personalize those lessons. Uh, and then for professional development today, which actually was a really great one, is about like giving choice to students. So it's funny to hear choice and you think it's like, here's an activity, do whatever you want. And it's really not. It's in the sense of like having them take ownership on what they want to do. And I kind of always had that hard time because like fifth grade's kind of funny where they're 
ready for middle school, but they're still kids. So it's kind of finding like, all right, they want the choice, they want the responsibility, they want to be like, oh, I got to pick this. But if you let them do whatever, they're going to be running around the halls. It's going to be out of control. You're going to be chasing them. Um, so for that one today, we were learning about like, you know, crafting those centers. And I always was very rigid on like, you need to do 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And then you come that way to me and then we wrap up. And then realizing like, well, if they get that first, like it's great. But if they get it at the end of the day, that's what we really want. You know what I mean? So maybe if they would prefer to kick off math and I do it first in the morning for most days, just how my schedule works out with specials. I think of myself, like, I would not want to hop right in the lesson right away. Maybe I want to do, like, the fun little challenge activity kind of as, like, a warm-up. You know, if you're in sports, you're doing the stretch and the run around before you actually play the game. Um, so maybe do an activity like that. And doing these activities with choice um, really kind of do benefit student learning and make them want to learn. Uh, and so today, when we were doing that choice, we sat down with our teams and we we're talking about it. And it's funny, I'm sitting there thinking, like, what can we do in this first grade class is saying, well, we do the shaving cream on the table and we practice their letters and their spelling, the shaving cream. And I'm like, my fifth graders really like that. Maybe I might, <laughs> might steal the shaving cream lesson. Um, so it kind of just kind of connects to, I think we're going to talk a little, about a little bit about how we really truly craft personalized learning is one person doing it for 24, like, right. Trying to come up with all those ideas and all that just doesn't work out. Right. Cause I'm sitting there like, what can I do for this kid? What can I do for that kid? I don't know all the answers. So we're going to uh, probably talk about, I think it's, it's on the next slide. Mm -hmm about kind of common planning and some of the styles of classroom like observations and how we're really implementing it and kind of getting assessing ourselves on how it's working and if it's effective or not. Um, so for today's PD for myself in the morning, I did a STEM PD for the English Innovations Pathway and I actually got partnered up with the, some of their fourth grade teachers at Clover. And it was nice to truly see and what we're working on is I got to see today what they do in third and fourth and how it builds up to what I do in fifth. So a lot of the times you're sitting there going like, do they know this yet? Or how does it work? Like, what did they cover last year? But truly get to see those teachers, like, you know, explain what they do and their process, how they collaborated as a team. I know as a chunk, well, when any of those kids in those three classes come my way, then they're going to be on the same page that I needed them to be on. So not only do I, you know, collaborate with teachers across, you know, the building and all that, but also the district as well. I used to work at Collicott for a year back when I, the first year back from COVID, I was a remote teacher of the whole year. It was a fun experience. I'm happy we're in the classroom, though. <laughs> but uh, so I still like I'll text the Collicott teachers. I know some of the Cunningham. I used to Cunningham after school and just text them and say, like, hey, do you have anything for this? Like, what, what, what do you have for a fun activity for, you know, for ELA, for comparing, uh, comparing characters, you know, the relationship between events and really just getting that collaboration of events instead of like reinventing the wheel over and over again. We've been given a lot of opportunities to collaborate not only with the people across the hall that have usually the similar profile kids as you, to now kids all over the district. Because I might have a teacher who, you know, might work with students who have severe disabilities. And I'm like, well, what would you accommodate for them? Because I might have a student one day like that, and it's better to add it to my arsenal. Um, and then just overall with the getting feedback, there's assessment data that we'll talk about later, but those are just some examples about iReady and, and the M class, the dibbles that we take that allow us to kind of more, uh, you know, assess students how they're doing content-wise. And then um, for like, us overall at the social emotional as well, we've started implementing. I know for a few of the teachers on my team, we're doing these weekly check-ins on Google Form. And it's something silly as like, you know, what's your favorite song? Like, would you rather chocolate or vanilla milkshake? And then it's like, what's something that worries you about your school day? And it's kind of a weird thing where they kind of feel silly and goofy and then they like answer that question without like diving deep and like, oh, he's asking you about like how I feel. So it's kind of a good way that we've figured out like, what works for you, what works for me? And we kind of share those ideas, whether it's, you know, my fifth grade common planning time or when we're talking to other teachers across the district. Awesome. Thank you. So our second goal is um, around SEL and safe and supportive schools. 
And um, we've got tons of really good professional development. In fact, all of our SEL leads and adjustment counselors today participated in, in a very robust and rigorous um, trauma training that they are all going to bring back to their schools. Um, so the SEL lead model has been very successful. There's two leads in each building. Um, 12 total leads and um, our philosophy is really to um, you know take him take advantage of the train the trainer model and train them up um, as best as we can and then bring them back um, through common planning time through faculty meetings through half day early release time to really move forward some of that work so um, they all participated today and then they actually worked uh, this afternoon on um, other protocols and procedures related to uh, the counseling world. Um, so I'm excited to see what comes out of that. And I'm also excited to share, I don't know if Dr. Burroughs shared, but um, you know, some of this training is not cheap. Um, and I was able to, on behalf of the district, secure um, another competitive grant for SEL for the district. So um, thanks to Desi, we were able to uh, get 60,000. Um, and that will continue to stipend our SEL leads as well as pay for really quali high quality PD for them. Again, in that train the trainer model, we just don't have enough time to put all of our staff in these trainings. We would love to, um, but the, the, the thinking is if we really train up our SEL leads and our adjustment counselors, oftentimes those SEL leads and adjustment counselors are one in the same. Um, for example, my, I have two, one is my adjustment, one of my adjustment counselors, the other is an occupational therapist in my school. So. Um, you know, and, and some are classroom teachers, um, but a lot of our counselors are also part of our SEL um, advisory team. So that's super exciting. Um, so we certainly have a lot of ongoing professional development. We're working with Maria Trazi, working on our crisis team protocols. Um, she met with us once. She'll meet with us again. Um, we rolled out our new PowerSchool SEL screener. So if you remember last year, the district used IntelliSpark. We're moving away from that um, because it cost a lot of money and we really just didn't maximize the platform as well as we should have for the amount of money it cost. Um, that was funded through the grant last year and we felt that the grant funding well, first of all, we didn't know we had it at the time, but also um, we felt it would be better spent on professional development and stipending our really good um, educators. And so we have PowerSchool anyways, and they have an amazing SEL screener that Jenny Beliveau, the lead adjustment counselor at the high school, Vivu and I met with their team last year. We really looked at it carefully. It does seem to very much mirror the same data that we were getting from IntelliSpark. So that was rolled out last week in all six schools. Um, so we're excited to see that data come in. And, and that is more of a culture climate um, survey, just kind of seeing how our kids are really feeling in school. Um, and then we have um, vocal data that also will be coming um, that is administered by DESE in 4th, 5th, 6th, 8th, and 10th that um, follows the MCAS and kind of also gives us some really valuable um, student well-being data. Um, I think I skipped ahead to the data slide, sorry. Um, but so we're excited about that too. That has not been officially released by the state yet. They, they get the MCAS data out first and then they follow it with all the other stuff. Um, you heard Melissa talk a little bit about behavioral health support team and in a minute you're gonna see me share some data that I think is really exciting and that I attribute directly to the work of the behavioral health support team 
We didn't have behavioral health support teams eight years ago when I got here to the Milton Public Schools. And six years ago, um, we did a state safe and supportive schools self-assessment, which is something that DESE um, puts out. And it's a very robust, lengthy, it takes hours and hours. You have to have a committee of educators and community members and teachers and, and uh, students. Um, but one of the things that came out of it six years ago was that we didn't have behavioral health support teams in each of our schools. And now we do. Um, and you saw the numbers about referrals. Um, but when you think about those referrals, what we're talking about is who might struggle with putting Thanksgiving dinner on the table and might benefit from a dinner that shout out to steel and rye they provide dinners to um, many of our families fully cooked steel and rye Thanksgiving dinners um, little known little known thing but um, the Kerrigans are an amazing family and super supportive of all of us um, so it's things like that who needs you know who did we notice who hasn't had a snack in the last week who's been really quiet lately um, what do we know about something going on at home or something with a family member because we believe and we know that the more we know about them as whole people um, the better we can personalize learning for them and help them to be as available as possible for their learning. Um, so I will share a little bit of data in a minute, um, like I said, that I think is directly uh, correlated with the work of the behavioral health support teams. And I did already reference a lot of this, um, but I also, you know, I think the soft signs are just as important. I am a big believer in the little things not being so little after all, right? Um, if a staff member is having a hard time and I know they've been out sick for the last couple of days, I'm going to make sure I stop by and say, how are you doing? Do you need five minutes? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need to just go get a water? Right. Um, those little things matter. They're a big deal. Um, a big deal to me is that I know that 100 percent of the kids in my school can identify a trusted adult in my school. I know that because they tell me that they know who they can go to. And most of them have more than one that they feel like they can go to. But I don't sniff at that number in any way, shape or form, because if everybody has somebody, if everybody has a champion, then we can do really, really good work for kids. Um, but I uh, you know, also wanted to share some staff and family data. And this data came from the surveys that our site council did at the end of last year. So it's about four months old. Um, 98% of staff felt that Glover was a safe and supportive school, um, and there were no negative responses. It was just one neutral response. Um, and 97% of families felt that Glover was a safe place for their children. Um, I, I'm proud of those numbers. Those numbers mean a lot to all of us. Um, and our third goal is around equity, again, mirroring the um, strategic plan. And that picture on the top there, before I turn it over to Melissa, is the Lantern Walk and Monster Bash, which I have to say, um, Member Denny and Member Carol had a blast, I hope. Um, although I heard Kira at one point was like, where is my mom? Um, <laughs> so. You didn't have to call me out, but yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Melissa's going to share a little bit about some of the work we do. Um, and I do really truly believe that that equity work and the safe and supportive work is so intertwined. I think they could probably be one bubble on the uh, three-pronged pillar approach um, because what we're doing to create safe and supportive schools is also embedded in strategies that prioritize equity. Yeah, um, I would say that to Karen's point, uh, when we think about making sure that all kids feel safe and supported in school, 
kids and adults also have to feel like they're viewed and valued and included and they belong. So we do take that very seriously in ensuring that all of our students feel like they can see themselves in their learning. Because if they don't feel like they're valued or they're included or they're heard, we're not going to be able to teach them core content like math or reading or writing. So it is very um, high in our priority list to make sure that all of these goals are viewed equally because without one, the other two don't happen. Um, so we have a lot of different ways that we really work hard on making sure that our kids do feel valued and included. And it's through um, opportunities that we try to give that we partner with our DEI committee that we meet with monthly. And we're hoping as the year progresses that we can um, kind of merge our Tucker and Glover DEI committees because we do try to like partner with our um, Tucker community as well. Actually, this Lantern Walk is a great example of how two school communities came together and had just an unbelievably fun night. And um, it was the brain power of our PTO as well as the Tucker PTO. Um, so we are hoping to do a little bit more DEI work with Tucker as the year progresses. Um, other things that we do to um, really make sure that we are looking at goal three and um, make sure that all kids can feel included is by having diverse authors come and they read and they do book clubs with the students as well. They, we just actually um, got a ton of new books for our library to diversify it. And last year, our each classroom teacher was able to put into the PTO up to, I believe, $500 of new classroom books to diversify their own personal libraries as well. Um, books are a great way to use those windows and mirrors to kind of guide those conversations for our students to make sure that they do feel included. Um, so kind of um, thinking of like the data that we use to ensure that we are tracking this, we do have that assessment data. Vocal survey data does give us a good understanding of our DEI goals as well, as well as the SEL screener that Karen mentioned earlier. Um, our attendance and our participation data is another tool that we use. Um, and then also just thinking of our school culture and our climate surveys that Karen touched upon for goal three as well. And then like those soft signs um, for our goal two, we have them for goal three as well. We do look into that data of our that the site council does put out at the end of the year. And then other school um, activities that we do, we do student leadership, which is a great way for our fourth and fifth graders to really get involved in the school as well as taking ownership of their school. Um, they just all sent their applications. Actually, if anyone's watching, they're due by tomorrow. Any late applications will be considered for any leftover teams. However, they have a week and we really um, talk to them about the importance of punctuality for your um, for your uh, application, as well as we ask them to get um, a reference from anyone outside of Glover School and then explain why they would be a really great fit for our student leadership teams. Things like um, the green team, they go around and they help recycle. Um, kindergarten lunch help, they go around and help the kindergartners during lunch. First grade French support, first grade English support, second grade. So it's all these really great um, clubs that they can join and apply for. We also do glee clubs, which are run before and after school. And again, they're um, teacher-led. Teachers submit what they think would be a really great opportunity for kids, bracelet making. Um, I think we have a basketball club this year. We have poetry. We have all these great opportunities before and after school. Um, we are also starting um, parent-led with um, a couple amazing parents, not only a book club, but they're also going to be bringing back a um, Continental Math League club to also give some of those enrichment opportunities as well. 
Um, so we are working hard to also see what the other schools across the district are doing as well, because if something's working great at one school, why not share it with the other three schools? So we are collaborating a lot with all of the elementary schools because we do want to ensure that across the board that all of our students are um, feeling valued at each of their schools. Mm -hmm. Ask Melissa who runs the basketball before school club. Me and another time. <laughs> I'm excited about it. So we'll, just, we'll just really quickly share, and I know, and I appreciate the shout out. Um, you know, uh, Glover was recognized as a school of recognition. Um, and you can see, I, I really was curious, like, what does that mean? And where did that come from? And what distinguished us? And so I did a very deep dive into our data. And um, in general, our students, all students, and that's every subgroup, that's the entire population in ELA and math met. Um, the target that is established by DESI um, in terms of what they are hoping to see in terms of growth, um, and all of our students exceeded it in science. But I really wanted to draw attention to some of our, our champions. Um, so that second section of the chart, um, we really look very carefully at our subgroup data. It's important to us that we're making sure that we are doing everything we can to close any gaps that exist, as well as target instruction and intervention to make make sure that every child is getting what they need. Um, our multi-race ELA exceeded their target. Our lowest performing, which is the bottom 25% in math, exceeded their target. Our low income kids in math exceeded their target. Our multi-race in math exceeded their target. Um, so I just wanted to shout out that I, um, I believe part of that school of recognition designation is how many groups, how many subgroups exceeded the target that DESI had set for us. Um, that is significantly different than what we've seen in previous years and is really exciting. You know, when you look at the multi-race in ELA and you look at our achievement was 503 and this year it was 516. I mean, these are a, a, change, a positive change of 13.0. That's, that's, that's really exciting data that shows us that the targeted interventions and supports that we're putting into place are indeed working and we're excited about that. Um, and again, this is, um, I, I mentioned this earlier, so attendance. It's a big deal. Um, we know that when kids don't feel safe, they don't feel supported, they don't feel good about themselves as learners, it's harder to get them to school. And so through our behavioral health support team, we monitor attendance every week. We look at every single kid and we look at trends. We look at, are we sick on Mondays? Are we always sick on Fridays? Is it, are there patterns? Are there things we outreach with families? And what I wanted to draw your attention to is in addition to those academic scores, you can see that our lowest performing, that's our bottom 25, they exceeded their target. Our high needs kids exceeded their target and our low income kids exceeded their target in terms of attendance. Um, you can see their rate of absenteeism, right? So that 2022 um, down to 2023, we want those numbers going down, counterintuitive, right? We want, usually want numbers going up, but um, it is so good to see that that work that we're doing in our behavioral health support teams of calling families, what's going on? What can we do? How can we help? How can we get you know um, your child to school? Because we can't educate them if we can't get them into classrooms. Um, so I did just want to share that data as well. It sometimes gets overlooked. Um, 
but it's really important. You know, a chronically absent kid is a kid that has missed 10% or more of the school day, school year. If we have 180 days, that's 18 absences. That is a tremendously insurmountable, you know, challenge in terms of, of catching up and, and getting back on track. Um, so we've really prioritized attendance in, in, in over the last year with our behavioral health support team. And it was really good to see those, those results come up. Um, and then we have um, our, you know, iReady and Lexia data, which Melissa can quickly go through. I know we're way past our 15 minutes, sorry. We'll just go through this quickly. Um, this is just our diagnostic fall um, iReady data first. Um, and I did put up last year's just because you can see the similarities. I mean, it almost is like a carbon copy. Um, mm -hmm. However, just to note at the top for this year, um, our kindergarten starts the diagnostic a few months into school as um, they're still not only learning just how to be a student in a school building, but also learning a lot about technology. So we really wanna make sure that they're feeling settled before we ask them to take a diagnostic. So that is um, highlighted up at the top that it does not include kindergarten yet. Um, but we do see very similar results, which is pretty interesting since last year was our first year with the new math curriculum. Um, so although we had a brand new math curriculum, which always has, you know, it's, it's hard in the first year of implementation. There's always figuring out what's working, what's not working. So to see data that's very similar, it will be interesting to see how the winter diagnostic compares to last year as well. Um, so this is just the overall placement for the school, whereas this slide is placement by domain, again, with all grade levels included, however, um, not including kindergarten for um, the top part. Again, except for some of our red at the ends, um, there's a couple flipped. I believe I can't see it on this slide, but um, I wanted to say it might have been algebra and the numbers and operations might have switched a bit. However, again, pretty similar in the results from this year to last year, which is pretty fascinating to see. Um, I did after, this is our Dibbles fall diagnostic. Um, I did include in our next slide, which before I talk about, it is our Lexia from last year. It's so hard to compare the two platforms because they're so different. I did just want to show the difference. Um, however, it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges. So we will have more understanding of our Dibbles data and how it compares year after year the more that we are um, implementing it. Um, so this is just kind of our composite for each grade level. So it's seeing a, the general overview per grade where you can go dive deeper into each grade level. Um, and you know we're all working a lot with our ELA coordinator, Kat DeRoche, and we're learning more about the platform and all of the different ways that it can benefit our students. So it's gonna be really great and fascinating to see how our Dibbles data looks once we do the winter diagnostic, um, and then kind of compare it to previous years with using um, Lexia. And that's really all we have. And um, we really appreciate the opportunity to, to show off a little bit. Um, <laughs> we love what we do. It's why we do what we do. Um, and, you know, but we could not do any of it without the support of our school committee, which is amazing. Superintendent Burroughs, Assistant Superintendent McKinney and Pavlicek. So we're super grateful. And of course, all of our coordinators that who led amazing PD today. This is this is truly a collaborative effort. Um, but it's, it's always so exciting to get to share it with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you all so much. We went over. Any questions? <laughs> Comments from anybody? It's okay. 
<laughs> it looks like Bev dropped off. Is that true? Yep. Okay. Um, so, any questions, comments? I, uh, just a couple. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, the, I like it. The um, supports and resources slide, it, it had said student support team, and then it said 27 students as of no November 1st. Y'all might have said this, but what is that number? That's the number of students who have been referred by yeah. classroom teachers. Okay. New yeah. students have been referred, so New above students. and beyond the 62 from last year. Could be, or it could be repeat. So a lot of them actually probably are repeats where they may have been referred last year. We may have uh, implemented interventions, and the the receiving teacher may be saying, I'm still concerned about this particular thing. So yeah, it, they could actually be redundancies gotcha. from last year. Um, I'll just say, yeah, your uh, data is really strong. I think the attendance data, uh, the improvements is great. I mean, I looked at the uh, African-American uh, attendance data, chronic absentee at, in particular, dropping, what was that, 12 points. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, I think I completely agree with you. You can't teach a kid if they're not in front of you, right? <laughs> attendance is kind of a very baseline, uh, and chronic absenteeism as a metric itself is also still just very disappointing given it's it's already kind of above and beyond uh, where you'd even like to be addressing issues. Um, and I'll just say for public, like, you know, the six is really good as it relates to the state overall metric, but that, you know, it still means we have about 35 kids at, at the school who are missing mm -hmm. essentially the entire month in November, because I think we had mm -hmm. 17 learning days in November. So it's actually more than missing the entire month. Uh, and that's really hard then to for a kid to miss an entire month and y'all to um, help keep them on, on track. So really important we get kids to school. Mm -hmm. um, so all those improvements are fantastic. Uh, real, real hats off. Um, is the vocal, this might be more of a question for you, is the vocal survey one that is done across all the entire district. So mm -hmm. What did you say? Vocal? The vocal, the vocal survey, the student survey. The they, they referenced a few times with yeah. um, some of their assessments. It's done in every school okay. in, the, in, the, in the Commonwealth. Um, yeah, I just, I'd be interested in seeing, I, I don't remember seeing that at the other um, ones, although maybe I missed it mm -hmm. as I was focusing on other things. I think, I think it's the first time I heard about this also. Yeah, so I'd just be interested to see yeah. the, that, some of that data. That for sure, yeah. It's, it's we were talking about it a little bit last year. Yeah, yeah, I think I presented a little bit about yeah. it at the mm -hmm. Safe and Supportive Schools Forum mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But um, it's definitely an underutilized tool, um, and it's great data. And, and we have it because the kids have to do it in order to finish the MCAS. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's good. But it was going to replace another assessment, right? Yes. Oh, no, that is our power school. One. Okay. So that's our internal screen. Got it. That's done at all six schools for SEL. Yep. We're actually doing that right now. Got it. In place of IntelliSpark. Intel in place of IntelliSpark. Yep. Asked almost the exact same questions. And it's part of our platform that we are currently trying to embrace as best as we can. <laughs> <laughs> for me, just a, a big comment in terms of, you know, again, looking at your data, just great job overall. I think, you know, it, it to me, it illustrates that the approach that you're taking the framework, right, of really digging down on the three different goals and going um, just deep on every single one of them and making sure that 
you know, the safe and supportive schools is not just a goal by itself. It's really how is it showing up and everywhere, you know, that way you've taken personalized learning and sort of made sure that you're focusing on just not only the students themselves, but I think to your point in your presentation around sort of us teachers, what are teachers doing to internalize sort of these approaches, I think. Um, it definitely shows in the, in the data of the great work, and kudos to you for, for leading uh, the charge here. Um, I'm just impressed overall and sort of thinking, how do we take the learnings and apply it to Tucker, apply it to all the other elementary schools, because, you know, something's, something's working and, and we, we, we have it here in the district. I'm going to actually echo what both Mark and Selena said in terms of, you know, it's it's nice to get some kind of more um, information around the goals, you know, that you have. And just like the PD that you were talking about today was really helpful to kind of understand how personalized learning works. Like, I think it sounds good on paper, but really, like, how do you, you know, um, cater to 24 different students, right? And like, wh where do you kind of let them decide so they're not running around through the hallways, but actually doing it and taking ownership? So I think getting that clarity was really important for, for me personally, because I've, you know, we've been hearing about personalized learning, but now to really see how it's being implemented was very helpful. Thank you. Great job, though, overall. <laughs> yeah, and, and having spent, um, you know, Karen mentioned I was there on Monday all day. And, and, you know, one of the things I would remark on that I think is really special about Glover is the, the culture that's been developed. And, um, you know, like great work happens everywhere, but it doesn't really coalesce until there's a strong culture and everyone's really connected together. And that, you know, looking at the three pillars and thinking about, you know, kind of the pragmatic things that are happening. There's something I think this leadership team really brings um, a lot of heart to the community. And I see that doing magical things in lots of different ways. I also see a lot of the structures in place, um, you know, pedagogical structures, um, you know, operational systems that, that support the work. But without that, none of the other pieces work. So just want to say I experienced that. Actually, I do have one, one follow-up question. You know the soft signs that you mm -hmm. talked about, the data points um, on safe and supportive schools? Mm -hmm. Are other schools collecting that data? So I think um, at, depending on where they are in their school improvement plan cycle, mm -hmm. um, best practice is to, at the end of your cycle or at the beginning of a new cycle of a three-year cycle, to survey all stakeholders. Okay. So we are at the beginning of our 23 to 26 cycle mm -hmm. here at Glover, but every school is actually on a different um, cycle. So I don't know when they do that, but um, we have, every time we've embarked on a new school improvement plan cycle, we've sent out a series of surveys to students, staff, and families just to sort of touch base. And um, I think the most, I, I couldn't capture it here, but uh, the most helpful is really just a lot of open-ended questions. Um, we ask simply, what are we, what are we doing well and what could we do better? Um, and to hear from our kids um, is, is like, it, I mean, Melissa and I just sit and we wait and we look at the data as it comes in. And it's so, it's so important to us to hear 
not that we don't love hearing from our teachers and our families, but they're, they do that all the time naturally. And our kids, like, you know, they just, they're the consumers of the product yeah, that we're trying to craft. So, um, so it's, it's really, um, I love getting that information, but yeah, that's part of our cycle. Got it. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll just add my thanks and congratulations on the recognition and just, it's a lot to celebrate and thank you all so much. And Mr. McMurray, I want to give you a special thanks because what you contributed in the way you shared tonight was, as Anna mentioned, like that was um, really insightful and especially to hear in almost real time, like your experience of the professional development, what that collaborative dialogue, like that's just on a slide and we can hear about, but quite honestly, having been a teacher, you know, it, I know that that time is not always actually resulting in a meaningful impact in practice. And so it was really great to hear you describe like your own experience of that and how it applies in your classroom. And um, thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you all for thank everything you. you do and the thank you for the lantern walk. It was, it was fun. <laughs> fun, but it was also, I totally agree. It was like a really inspiring, like, example of the kinds of things we talk here a lot about how to bring our community together and bring our kids together before Pierce mm -hmm. um, and to just like help families feel connected when our system of four schools can, you know, especially for Glover and Tucker, unlike Cunningham and Collipot, like we are, you know, physically apart. So um, anyway, thanks again for that. And yeah. Take year off, years off of our lives as adults, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the kids have a blast. Worth it. Just I, I keep eating donuts. Year. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> so I do have one more question. What is duck feed? <laughs> so it, it, it's becoming a thing where I don't know what to do because we haven't had ducks in a really long time, but we keep with the duck mascot. It's the PBIS, okay. like so. Okay. Um, tiger stripes, tiger stripes yeah. and okay. Cunningham cougar paws or whatever they have. Where we cardinal, yeah. we we have duck feet. Okay. And cool. and we're hoping someday the ducks come back. The real yes. ducks. Yeah. yeah. That would be nice. Sure. Sure. We, we could bring <laughs> some over, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not when you have some ducks. It's just like the outdoor class. You have to go here because we have to go to the It's my favorite. Thank you so much. I know it's a long evening. Oh, thank you. I know it's a long day for you all. Yeah. They're very good. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Goodbye. All of you. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. They're very good cookies. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not being good. But they'd be good with the other two things you mentioned. What's that? They'd be good with the other two things you oh. mentioned earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll let her know you approve Hi. of the business Yeah, model. I approve of that They're business model. <laughs> okay. That was great. Um, and also what you said, you know, is important too. As far as like, let's get all of our kids like experiencing that yeah. level of just, that's great, really impressive. Um, is there anything else under 
your report? I think we're good. Okay. Um, I guess a little bit of a segue to the chair's report, um, just to put out there, you all will have seen the message that Peter sent us regarding the Tucker um, princi principal search. Mm -hmm. And we do have the opportunity for one school committee member to join the search committee. Mm -hmm. So um, I will make sure that Bev receives this message as well so that we all hear it. But can you please... If you're interested in that, um, please let me know, like offline, if that's something you would be interested in. You would need to be able to attend the dates which are laid out um, in the message on the flyer. So the flyer has ra a, range. a range, but there are there dates, are, there are dates on, on the Google, Google form. form. Yes. Yep. So maybe I can pull what those might be. Um, Don't don't fill out the Google form. Like let's I'm just let's see if we can kind of work out together mm -hmm. um, who's going to represent the school committee on that. Uh, knowing as well, we have a couple other searches coming up that yep. uh, school committee representation will also be invited. Um, and so for right now, um, how about this? What I can do is send an email to all of us. I can say these are the dates of the interviews that you would need to be available. And then if you're interested in um, like putting your name in the ring for that, just email me back, okay? Um, all right, so under the chair's report, um, one thing we need to go through is these re resolutions. Um, for the MASC um, convention. And uh, this is a PDF that's in our folder. Um, I understand if, did everyone get a chance to read through all of these to know kind of where you're at? Okay. So what we're going to do is go through them one by one and vote um, like a yes means yes, I'm in favor of this resolution. A no would be no, I'm not in favor of it. Um, we'll kind of record where we come out and then that will inform how I participate in the delegate assembly next week. Any questions about that or are we ready to go forward um, with, um, and I mean, I guess like any motion, anything we vote on, like we can open it for discussion. So. Um, I think what we should do is just make a motion um, for each of the resolutions in turn, mm -hmm. and that will open the floor for discussion if anyone has things you want to say, and then we'll take a vote one by one. So I'll make a motion to approve resolution one on the full stable funding for METCO. Is there a second? A second. Okay. Any discussion? Um, I don't know if it's out of bounds here, but obviously Milton does not participate in METCO. Mm -hmm. um, I've never discussed participating in METCO. I don't know why I even glance in your direction. But does anybody well, have I have asked answers? the same question, so yeah, you can't I mean, glance over here. <laughs> I have you asked. Take a vote on school choice in like June, right? Every year. And that's different, though. That's, that's not that's METCO. Different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Have we ever? I don't think we've ever participated. No. Not in that I don't know if you jump in and out. Of, well, I, I don't know enough about I don't think districts jump in and out. I think yeah. they've been committed for a long time, those that are in yeah, it. I don't know if yeah. pulled back. So I just don't know if there have been previous conversations about it. I know it's a from the Boston end and seeing the students that it serves been a highly successful program. Mm -hmm. I mean, the mm -hmm. results are fantastic. I know we have a uh, space constraint issue uh, mm -hmm. already, so I don't know if it's some of the town is willing to do in the short term or is able to do in the short term, but I just, I didn't know if there was extra context that I was missing. Mm. Sorry. I guarantee on Monday when our resident historian returns, we, we will have an answer <laughs> for this. But in the meantime, like, you know, I think we're just asked yeah. whether we support the, um, the resolution, like as, Part of, are we? Do we want MASC to vote? You know, support this or not? As a mem as a member district of MASC, even mm -hmm. if we're not Metco. Any other questions or thoughts on this particular one? Okay, then um, all in favor? Okay, that's unanimous for resolution one. Um, then resolution two regarding investigations for recommendations for transportation bidding procedures. I'll make a motion to um, approve resolution two. Is there a second? Okay. Any discussion of this one? I don't know if this will do anything, but I think it's be, this is a huge problem and it would be helpful for something to be done about it. And it's happening across the country. It's not just in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so all in favor? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I will make a motion to approve Resolution three on regional transportation. Any comments, questions? You need a second? You need a second. Oh yeah, second. Sorry. Second. Thank you, okay. Any discussion? Uh, once again, this doesn't apply to Milton, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I figured there's some reason this is probably really important to someone. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll bring it up. Okay. All in favor? Okay. All right. That brings us to, I'll make a motion um, to approve resolution four on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Is there a second? Second. Okay, thanks. Any discussion? Just had one question, like, what is division X? Because I know a lot of the other ones are submitted by school committees. That was just my question on that. Yeah. That's a good question. I think that it's like, an entity of MASC, um, but I actually don't know for sure. 
it is, I mean, it's, it's using a title. MASC member communities are divided into seven geographical divisions, plus a voca vocational technical division, an urban division, and a minority caucus. Division seven is Cape and Islands. So this is division, division 10. Division 10. Oh, division 10, sorry. Inclusion, diversity, and equity. Okay. So it's a group of representatives it's, yeah. to MASC. Okay. Yeah, it's like a task force or something. Different towns. Um, in terms of noting like other ways, so they're talking about adopt the position of DEI coordinator to work towards. So clearly in Milton, I mean, it's lowercase c. So, you know, I'm, I guess I'm interpreting this as in the, it's really talking to districts that have not yet adopted mm -hmm. any position. DEI position, DEI. right? Yeah. And so it's not saying like, okay, just because. Yeah. That was my friendly amendment. We have, was, uh, I should say a DEI position right. or something, yeah. not coordinator. Yeah, the coordinator level. Like, it's yeah. just, if you have a DEI director, now you also need to add a DEI coordinator. Like that, that I think that doesn't seem to be the intent of this. That's, I, I think it's a position focused mm -hmm. on DEI is right. what the intent is here, I'm sure. Yeah. And so therefore, it also is not relevant to us. We've already done that. But. It makes sense. Okay. Um, all in favor? Okay. It looks like Division 10, too, is, and it says basically anyone who's interested is encouraged to participate in Division 10. Okay. So it's not a set number of okay. school committee members. <clears throat> so the next one, I'll make a motion to approve. Um, Resolution five um, on the Mass School Building Authority. Is there a second? Second. Okay, any discussion of this one? I also think these would be great uh, changes uh, to help with funding. Obviously, this is more applicable to Milton than the others. Yeah. Uh, especially <laughs> that last part of, you know, uh, devoting some resources to free schools, which mm -hmm. they historically do not do. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. Be great. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. All in favor? Okay. I'll make a motion to approve resolution six on school bus stop arm surveillance act and enforcement and penalties. Is there a second? Second. Thank you. Any discussion? Yes. <laughs> Safety is important. Yep. Just generally, though, Massachusetts, I think, is one of the states where we we don't have um, light, light cameras that light speed, speed, speed ticket yeah. light cameras, right? But a lot of the traffic lights have cameras. To well, maybe they have cameras, yes, but they don't do the automatic ticketing through the cameras. <laughs> so that's just something that doesn't, I think, currently exist within it. So this would be, so, I don't know. Different. Anyways, that was a that's neither here nor there comment, I guess. I know our school bus has <laughs> a camera that records what's happening in the bus. Yes. But is it a camera that records what is 
outside of the bus or in front of the bus? It would be probably on the stop. Uh, sign that comes out, yeah, and then it would catch people as they went by, they were by. going around it when it, they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think there is a current. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would depend on the bus company, I guess. If mm-hmm. I thought it was a national law <laughs> that when the, the school bus light is blinking, everybody from both traffic have to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you do, but I think not everybody It is a national does. thing. So yeah. it's, yeah. Not everyone does. It's surprising how many people don't stop. And right. I mean, having talked to a lot of bus drivers over the years, it's, it's shocking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, all in favor of this one? Okay. All right. Um, so that I'll make a motion to approve resolution seven related to MCAS. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion of this? Um, it was pretty strong in terms of yeah. Now, this moratorium on all right. testing. And yeah. it's not to get rid of it altogether yet, right? It's to explore alternatives. No, that's or is it, it to is get rid of it for the time yeah. immediate? Oh. Yeah. Moratorium on MCAS testing effective immediately. So that I mean that's my personal. Oh yeah. There the reason is. why I won't support be supporting this one is just that while I agree with a lot of what it's Mm -hmm. urging us to develop to launch this evaluation to develop an alternative like all those things I think are I I mean personally agree with them but Mm -hmm. I I don't I I personally don't feel it makes sense to enact a moratorium effective immediately before you have created what would come in its place for a better assessment so that strikes me as like that's a that's an event, friendly amendment I would offer to our colleagues in Framingham, but um, yeah, so you know, but yeah, it's definitely raising some important concerns. Anyone else have like things you want to put out there on it? Yeah, I have the same concerns um, on that one. I think there needs to be something else that replaces it if we end up going that route. Um, but yeah, I don't want to stop it because I, I think it's helpful to see, you know, especially um, just to compare like when I, for instance, I'll use my own kid as an example, like when I'm looking at their grades on power school and then when I look at the MCAS, like, you know, like, so it, it does give you like an, a general idea. And I know there are a lot of flaws in it, but I think there needs to be something that replaces it uh, before we get rid of it. Or my child would think she's a genius. And I, don't. <laughs> I definitely appreciate a lot of what it's raising. Um, Absolutely. So. Yeah, no, I think that's the, the hard part for me is that it does sort of raise a lot of concerns of sort of how it's negatively impacted yeah. groups of students and districts. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, if we go back before we were looking at any data, yep. then we couldn't sort of go and have interventions that say it's not okay that we're leaving all these kids behind. Yep. So for that reason, I'm not in support of a moratorium without um, having an alternative um, figured out because otherwise I think the system is allowed to get, get by 
in leaving too many kids behind. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with that. Yeah, that yeah. was well well put. Mm-hmm. So I don't support this one in the way that it's stated. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, are we ready to vote on it? Yes. Okay, so all in favor of Resolution 7? All opposed? Okay. And that's uh, finally the last one. I'll make a motion to approve Resolution 8 on safe storage of firearms. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion? It continues down below to the bottom. But it just it, it, it directs the superintendent to communicate. communicate with the community about this. And I, I just wonder in our community who the right like position is to to share this information it's not typically something that comes from a school district mm-hmm. right it would come from maybe like public health like i was looking at public or, health um, yeah. mm-hmm. the sheriff's office yeah. mm-hmm. you know that the sheriff's office deals with or the police department um deals with firearms and that's true but at the same time given that the particular concern of this is like the um safety of children and teens and like just thinking about our public safety departments in town like they don't have a mechanism to directly communicate with school families per se. I, I mean Maybe it could be like a joint communication or something like that, but um, I was sort of like thinking of this in the vein of, you know, the way I think you st- you are. I know in the past we have like shared out about the flu clinics, you know, happening, which are like a resource or I don't know, nothing. I don't see this needing to be like a, major campaign or anything but just mm-hmm. but that it could be included in I guess the thing that I, I was I was wondering about is the school district telling the community about their legal obligations under Massachusetts safe storage law which isn't I, I think mm-hmm. I think there's probably part of this message that would make sense coming from the school but I'm not sure like you were saying a joint message or mm-hmm with some other entity, because it seems like it's the, the governmental body that is approving of, you know, g- giving out licenses and things like that would be the right one to share. Remember your legal responsibility in owning a firearm is X, Y, and Z. I mean, it, it, in an analogous way, it would be like the school district you know, kind of drilling down on fire code and sharing that information with families around, remember your legal obligation to have, you know, protect, to protect your family, to protect children in your household 
is to have X number of fire alarms and mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. Yes, but it's also, I mean, I think I'm viewing this in the context of like the epidemic of gun, yeah, like even yeah. including accidental gun deaths of kids. So it's to me a little different through that lens, but I, I see yeah. what you're saying. I mean, I think I, 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 I see both sides of this piece for sure. Mark, sorry, you were going to say something. No, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would imagine if anything of this happened, kind of to your point, Lizzie, it would be utilizing the schools, like utilizing powered school to, you know, the communication platforms that the school already has at its disposal in order to reach families in a way in which families are more familiar with yeah. versus getting something in the mail that goes straight in the trash or something like that, or, you know, goes to your spam folder or whatever else. That just the relationship that the schools are able to get, have with families uh, within the community, which is a large portion. And then the message itself, though, I mean, I, I assume to your point would really be something that like you lean on public health or the Milton police to kind of craft and like hand to you that then, you know, we kind of email out as part of any other kind of communication of like, hey, this is firearm safety month, whatever, like here's an attachment from Milton police about some, some resources for you or some reminders and, you know, similar to like a fire safety as no yeah, fire department would send out or, yeah. you know. You mean yeah. if this passes at NASC, then I guess my, I assume that they would then develop like a model communication, right? Or maybe not. It's where it recommends all districts to urge. So that's the other thing. It's not even binding. It's just like we can, any district can urge the superintendent or staff I'm, to do it. And looking forward to seeing what it. urging feels like. <laughs> <laughs> but, like <laughs> but I mean, so we do have that safety security team. I mean, that's something like if it comes yeah. up, like if it gets passed, like we could yeah. discuss it there and then go from there. I mean, it's certainly a problem. It was in the Globe today. There was an incident. I don't know if yeah. you read about that. Exactly. So, I, I mean, it's sad that schools are sort of facing that, the need to yeah, be absolutely. another voice and another sort of commun communicate this, but I think it's it's important. And yeah. I mean, we're increasingly the social center of the mm -hmm. universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Carrying all the other. Mm -hmm. kind of... mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. okay. Well, this has been a good discussion. Clearly, it's not like a clear cut thing per se, but can we, are we ready to vote on it? Okay, so we were at um, all in favor of this. Okay, thanks everybody. So um, I- Do we need to vote on the proposal to amend bylaws? Is that a different? I don't have strong feelings on it. I, I guess. defer totally to your expertise. I guess we could. Personally. Might as well. Um, it's kind of like not very clearly flat, like laid out in this flyer, but uh, sure, why not? Let's go ahead and do that. So, um, So let's 
I'll make a motion to approve the proposal to amend the MASC bylaws. Is there a second? Second. Okay. Any discussion? This is a, the motion is to support the amending of the bylaws? Yes. Yes. As so, yeah. written here. Yeah. I guess the only thing I'm, I'm not clear on here is what is the current bylaw, or is there nothing about, just not sure, this is replacing current language or just adding in, in, it seems like it's maybe just adding in. I assume resolutions already expire. Maybe there's just a way to reassess them when they're expiring. I don't know, I, I feel like I have some context missing, I guess is what I'm saying, because otherwise I don't really yeah. see any issues with this personally, but I want that said before I go, I vote for something and <laughs> it turns out to be well, highly contentious that, somewhere so else. So with, with that, like, <laughs> I'm also okay. abstain from this one? I'm also, yeah, I'm also okay with it if we just Could we abstain decide from to not vote either way on this one or we cannot we can all abstain i guess we have a motion on the floor i mean you might learn more I, yeah i might there. get more information when i'm there that would allow me to make an informed vote yeah. one way or the other if you all are okay with that i know we have a motion on the floor so i don't want to introduce a new motion but is it is an emotion would um well, I'll withdraw my motion to approve the um, proposal as to amend, which is listed here. I'll just take that off the table. <laughs> okay, I make a motion to uh, delegate um, the voting on this to you as a representative, and given well, I, uh, yes, uh, to make the decision there based on whatever other information might come out that you learn. I second that motion. That was a very lengthy and wordy. <laughs> Mike Zulis would not be happy with that question. With me. So, all in favor? Okay. Well, I have no power. I can still help. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure that I really inform myself. I, I, will, I will. Really. I, this, this is a critical one, so we'll spend a couple hours on Hard it. About this. Okay. <laughs> all right. So great. So um, the last part um, under this report for me is um, just reporting. Oh no, calendar approval procedure discussion. Okay. So actually, Anna. Um, well, I don't know the right. I don't know if we should have you do the policy report first. Um, we do, or should I just like open this topic back up from our, where we left it off last week? Um, I can that makes sense for policy committee and then kind of give it school the into yeah. it. Yeah. Can, we, yeah. can okay. we do that? So maybe jump ahead to the policy subcommittee. You can kind of sum up that last meeting and then we can segue into this piece. Okay, so 
at, um, at our going back to our meeting from September for policy, we discussed doing like a reset and cleanup of our, all our existing policies. So as a first step, Dr. Burroughs and the central office team went through all of our policies and we that we currently have and did a comparison of what MASC currently has and what they recommend. So we're kind of working through that right now. Um, and then as part of our continued discussion of the calendar and calendar policy, we had invited a member of the community who had previously attended our S, uh, school committee meeting and spoken at Citizen Speak. Um, we had her come in and speak to us at our meeting. It was a great, like it was a great initial discussion to have. And um, this is um, regarding her request to recognize Eid on the school calendar. And this request has really given us an opportunity to look at our school calendar and continue our work of being more inclusive mm -hmm. as a district where all our students are seen. So um, that was kind of my report. So <laughs> we can now go into the discussion. Thanks, Anna. So um, I think when we decided to put this on our agenda as a discussion topic, it was to think through uh, kind of taking a step back even from this particular request that has been brought to us by a group of members of our community um, to add a day off for Eid, um, which you know is something that has been in process for several years now, that since they initially approached the school committee with that request. Um, was to just think about sort of what would be a process, um, not under policy, because this isn't really pertaining to our, our calendar policy, it's pertaining to our role as a full school committee in approving mm -hmm. the school year calendar, which is a separate sort of process where we get it from the superintendent and then we ultimately vote to approve it. Um, so I think that's where we ended up with this as a topic to keep thinking about together is like what would make sense for us as a process, a procedure in terms of, um, you know, how we go about considering a request like this. We do have one specific request, but we recognize that, you know, um, there could be other requests in the future for this kind of thing to add another holiday and like then what would we what would we do with that? So that's just that's just the framing. So just interested in whatever thoughts you all have and recognizing that we do have a time frame to figure this out because the um, next year's calendar is going to be developed over these next couple of months. So we'd like to know how to move forward one way or another by January or so. And just maybe I can add, um, in terms of the development of the calendar and impl implement implications, you know, it adds an additional, adding a, a holiday adds an additional day to the school year, so we, you know, those days don't change. The staff days, the student days remain the same. Those are contractual and state required. Um, 
there's the potential in the development of the calendar to swap days. So some of our days, some days that we have as a holiday, we could have school on those days. Um, an example that came up in the policy committee meeting was uh, the day before Labor Day. Mm -hmm. That Friday is not a national holiday. It's not. It's but it's a traditional day. It's one that people really appreciate. But there is that option of some trying to keep. Appreciate. Some people appreciate it. Some people some appreciate. People it. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, I've heard from a lot of the people it's that the do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are, these are, these are important decisions and they're big decisions and, uh, doing them with real clarity is important. Do we have a list of, um, do we have a list of all the days currently on the calendar that are not days off based upon uh, contracts um, or based on state law, right? I assume. And mm -hmm. federal, right? Yeah, and mm -hmm. I assume all the. Um, there's not a list, but we can look at the calendar and mm -hmm. determine that, yeah. Mm -hmm. There aren't many. I think that holiday of Friday before Labor Day weekend, mm -hmm. just based on my looking at the calendar, but I, I, I'm would love it if someone can show me I've missed something, but it seems like that is the only holiday which is not a PD day, mm -hmm. which is um, not a um, another either state or national state nas national or religious holiday. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of that just being a decision, which is, do you extend the year for everybody by one day for any time you're adding a day? Or do you um, look to swap out, as you said? I think that that uh, um, we call it Labor Day observed <laughs> for both Friday and Monday mm -hmm. oh. is what it says right, right now. Mm -hmm. oh, that's right. Just to throw everything on the wall here, I guess the you know the other religious holidays are Yom Kippur, Good Friday, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I'm just trying to look. I'm looking through the calendar, see if I miss any more. I believe those are the other two, which are not. There's no state or federal requirement. That a school take those states off. Well, right. Those were um, that was part of the rationale that was brought to yeah. us as far as we already observing those you two. know we're observing those two out of the big three. Um, and that that was not equitable. Uh, there were a couple things she she also talked in policy subcommittee about um, thinking not, not just the number of families impacted in town with kids in schools, but also the teachers around this particular, again, around this particular holiday, the fact that our French immersion program means we actually have um, a number of teachers who um, 
actually um, are Muslim, having uh, come from some North African countries, that might actually be a higher proportion of uh, practicing Muslim teachers than some of our peer districts who do not have a French immersion program. That was sort of an, another point she raised. But mm -hmm. I think continuing the step back is just sort of like, what are the factors we would consider as a school committee that would lead us to add a holiday or a day off? You know, some of the things. So the fact, you know, the um, I think one thing we're, that's implicit here is just that a request is made by stakeholders in the community mm -hmm. um, and that they bring, uh, you know, uh, especially when it's um, not an individual making a request, but a sort of um, a group of people who are behind that request. So that's sort of one consideration perhaps. Um, and then, you know, where that fits in relation to other holidays. I actually found out, this is sort of neither here nor there, but I think um, she also shared research of, of other districts that have taken the step to add this, add Eid as a day off, um, as a holiday. So that was also presented to us. Um, I've, I know of other districts who have actually taken the real opposite move of actually like taking away the day off holidays, but getting very much clearer on the fact of that there can't be assessments, homework, um, or any like requirements like that around any of the holidays. So that would be, I think Northboro, Southboro was someone was talking to you about this. Like, so they, they no longer, they, they have school now on the Jewish, you know, on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Good Friday. Um, they don't take any of those days off. So that was a different way to be equitable, I guess. Like, nobody gets a day off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but just... So in that research... And just, sorry, one, one before you go, go just ahead. one quick thing. Um, the... Some districts do have three days on Thanksgiving week, not just two. So that's mm -hmm. not a national, but Wednesday is right. not, not required. Yeah, required some do a half day. Some do a half day. On yeah. Thursday, right. so. well, that's what I was seeing here. Yeah, right. Sorry. And we no, always have no, a full no. day. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah, that we have the 22nd off mm -hmm. for. And, um, but I also wondered um, in terms of the research that was presented, um, I think when we heard it in the full school committee, it was, you know, referencing those who have adopted the, the, the day off, um, but wondered, you know, sort of if we know more about what those conversations were within those districts, like what, how did they wrestle with exactly the question that we're wrestling with? And if we could do some more digging in terms of conversations of like, okay, what got, how, how did that district get to the, we're going to take them all off the table and how did the districts get to the, yes, we're going to observe this holiday too. Um, just wondering if we could do, just educate ourselves a bit more. Yeah, I think that's smart. 
Do I could we, contact those superintendents easily, have a conversation. That'd be great. Do we have any data on how many of our students? I do think the typical thing I've seen within this is, you know, it is an attendance focus, right? And you don't want to try and force people to come to school on a day that they're just not going to come because of other societal reasons, um, religious, cultural, or otherwise. And so, um, I'm not sure we have that. I don't know how you I don't think we hold that data. Yeah. I mean, we, we've heard the data from the community that it was, was it 300? Well, Muslim neighbors. 300? Yeah, 300 members or so. That's what she said. In terms of students, yeah, yeah I'm not we'd sure. Least, we'd have attendance data on... On those days, On those sure. days for the past few years to see if there is a... Then we'd have to extrapolate. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you just, you could see at least like if... Well, you, you'd assume that the population is large enough that you'd see some type of yeah. right decrease. Um, yeah. I do think that sort of brings up um, a challenging mm. question, though, which yep. is like, okay, how many mm. students and families would need to be impacted for us to act on that? Would it, you know? Would that ultimately be a sort of arbitrary thing to decide? Yeah. Because um, I think that to me feels tricky to determine something like this based on the numbers of people as like the metric. I think it's a, it should be a factor, but I don't. You know, I think whether you have zero, okay, if you have zero, sure. If you have like a majority, okay. <laughs> but in between those things, it feels difficult. So I think that's where it's in addition to that important to consider what was also presented to us as far as like the significance of the holiday, because she's also expressing that it's not only about supporting individual families that may be celebrating that holiday, but to raise awareness within the community of this holiday and of our, our Muslim neighbors in Milton. So she was sort of, I don't know, Bao and Anna, you were there too, but like it seemed like that was almost as important was the way that it provides an opportunity for raising awareness, destigmatizing, um, among like non-Muslim students and families, the way she also hopes that you know our days off for the, a Jewish high holiday or a Christian holiday provide that opportunity for for those. I I completely agree with the statement that the the numbers shouldn't be like the sole factor, and like how do we not make this arbitrary? I struggle with how any of these decisions, like it, it will always be somewhat arbitrary, like we're gonna create a line, and like, does the line need to be exactly there? Probably not. Um, you know, the, 
I don't necessarily agree with the thinking that giving people a day off of school is going to increase cultural awareness, right? The thing that actually would increase cultural awareness is a conversation led by the district, led by trusted adults. She is who, asking for that too. And like to be that, fair. no, no, I, I get She's that. Not all, she does, she agrees with what you just said. Yeah. So I like I my kids, you know, we're they're off Good Friday. I. Personally, and maybe as a not a, as a good a parent as others, like I don't have long conversation with them about like what this means or what this is, and that's not a holiday we celebrate um, within our family. So, and, and again, I know she said she did, and I'm, I'm sure there are other people who do a better job of that than I do. Um, but I I just tend to think like the giving folks a day off it, for that being the purpose, there still being other potentially good reasons to do this. I do also, though, just look at the bottom of our calendar where we have all these other religious and cultural holidays. And, you know, to the point we're discussing to just rename it, like there are, how do we pick, you know, this one versus any of these others, all of which are celebrated by, to your point, like at probably at least one mm -hmm. family within our community. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not looking at yeah. numbers, you know, there. How do we how do we pick that? Okay. And then, sorry. No, and that's a challenge I have with it because you can't like it's hard to say like mm -hmm. it's a majority of people. Well, you know, a certain number of people are celebrating this holiday, but then we're there might be one student who celebrates a particular holiday, and we're not recognizing that student because our goal as a district is to make sure all our students are seen. Mm -hmm. You know, and for cultural awareness, so. Um, I think it's a challenging one when we look at all the religious and cultural holidays that are represented, like um, how do we make sure that we are being fair to everybody mm -hmm. in, in the community? You know, and I think that's where the, the second part you stated where like, you know, how do we get that message across to our students so they're more aware of the holidays that their you know, classmates celebrate? Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is the secular reality of schools too. And we also have a history of being non-secular. Mm -hmm. When you look at the holidays traditionally that have been celebrated, so we have this strange like living in two worlds type of reality that I think mm -hmm. is understandably hard for the community to understand. Yeah. Well, and that's probably what leads a community to say, well, we're not celebrating any of these. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because if we are celebrating any, like I think you're just saying, like if we are celebrating any, then we're like biased. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear more from other districts <laughs> because I think it's a complex decision. It's not straightforward. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, everyone's tension in it. <laughs> there's a lot of tension. Exactly. I mean, I've, I've experienced this, witnessed it um, previously. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's, I've never seen one template that a district's used mm -hmm. that has been easy or made total sense. Um, Sometimes it's been really fast. I saw one or two districts do it do this in under a month, like in two meetings, just decide. <laughs> um, I've seen ones become really large, 
political and um, kind of uh, a lot of activity from different groups coming together to really kind of like talk about how important it was and looking at what other groups were getting and what they were not getting. Mm. Um, so becoming kind of like a community, very large community, that's happened in, mm -hmm. in some places too. Um, so I think we probably won't learn any new like perfect ways to go about it, but I think learning from others in terms of like what as they look back on their process, like what what made sense. I mean, I, I do like what Mark shared about looking at pragmatic data, which is the tendons, mm -hmm. is one kind of way to to look at it. I don't know what the impact is, but and and if we can draw, I mean, we're it's corollary, right? Yeah. So I think I, it sounds like we have a few next steps that we can explore. Um, on the attendance piece, I just would like to, as we prepare to look at the, pull, pull attendance data, look at attendance, I'd like to acknowledge that I am going to look at that with a grain of salt because I know there are families who probably have sent their kids mm -hmm. to school on that day, even though they wish they didn't have to, but they felt pressure to do that. And mm -hmm. so I don't want it to count against people in okay. that way that like, oh, there's no real impact on attendance. Therefore, mm -hmm. we must not have that many people celebrating because I just would worry about that assumption. But I think um, we can research these do targeted outreach to some of these districts that have been brought to our attention who have made a shift recently. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, it seems, I, I know this, the idea had come up at our retreat discussion on this topic that what would it look like to create like a policy mm -hmm. around this? It does seem like it isn't a one size fits all situation. So I guess I'm not, I'm still open to that as an idea. I mean, Bev was the one who had sort of raised that and she's not here right now to further explain her rationale for that. I can't personally at this moment, like envision a policy that would feel supportive around the complexity of this, but maybe we could learn from a district that has such a policy. So that could, we'll, look into that. Um, I mean, I, th I think it would, a policy would, simp I mean, most of these policies would say something to the effect of, if you'd like to state why school committee will review, look at the, these criteria and make a decision. Yeah, so, a, a, so in, in that sense, a generic, like a policy that it's not going to help us. Wouldn't <laughs> that's what I'm, that's <laughs> kind of what, spot. That's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> um, that wouldn't like provide a clear cut answer to this the issue. But uh, okay, what these are a couple areas we can keep exploring. I do feel like I'd like to keep this on our agenda at our next meeting in the event that we are able to find more information. Mm -hmm. If we don't find it yet, we can postpone it. But I do start, I feel the time pressure to get this clarified. Um, so we can add that to next time. 
And if you guys want, I can share some of the data that I collected originally for policy. Um, I think last at our, I don't even know this summer, last summer. Um, so that could be a good place to start the conversation. Um, I know several districts have kind of looked at it holistically and gone on to add like several holidays instead of just one, you know, so just that's another option we could look at as well. And, and if that's the case, how, how do we make that work, you know, so um, mm -hmm. or take away holidays so we can we can um, look at all that. So I can share that. Thanks. Start school in early August like uh, like I do. And we get out from school. Uh, last day is like the 21st or something of June. So, your school district. Yeah, we have not talked to We have the extended school year. They have the ability to have staff longer there, probably. That's true as well. <laughs> and I already heard so many parents talking about the nine half days that we have already in our school calendar. So, I don't know how. Yeah family in the district is going to feel about having that extra. Mm -hmm. But I, I do like the idea of swapping um, one of the days that is not necessary a day off with if we go with approving, having eat off. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep talking about this. Um, can I relatedly like I know not for our next meeting and I don't know when it would be possible for, but at some point, can we maybe have a discussion or, or get a, an update or a report basically from Zakia or and or you around this bigger question of like how we can, um, mm -hmm. it is the safe and supporting school, safe and supportive schools and the equity pillars around like belonging in our schools for our multicultural community. Um, as we've mentioned a few times, like that came up last year with mm -hmm. like the Tucker Multicultural Fair was one idea. Mm -hmm. so I don't know if I, I would love to um, be able to have that conversation in a way that doesn't like. In the context of this conversation? Or? Well, it's just reminding me that I feel like we could make this decision about this holiday somewhat in a vacuum, which is okay. But when the purpose of the conversation is really that we have families who don't feel they belong, who don't feel their cultures are celebrated or included. And we've heard from other folks around the real, I would say, over-reliance on parent volunteers. Mm -hmm. That's like at, maybe you have it at one school, you don't have it at another school. It totally depends on like which parents volunteer to come and teach about Lunar New Year or Diwali or whatever. So I'm just kind of picking that back up because that preceded you. That was like a topic we were had identified last year as like an area for growth. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, you all, there's so much you all are doing. So we have, you know, I don't think any of us have been wanting to push for that, but at the same time, it does seem connected, especially if we ended up declining to add another day. I would actually only probably feel, given, having seen, been in this conversation, I would only feel comfortable personally 
doing that mm -hmm. if I felt confident that we would be addressing this in some other way. Mm -hmm. Right. I think they almost need to kind of happen, you know, simultaneously. Like that conversation is separate, but like still related. So, yeah. um, and I think we need to like figure out ways to support our families because, you know, I, I know she had mentioned like that, you know, her children might not feel comfortable being identifying as Muslim, you know, and I, I remember going through that as a kid being Indian, you know, so it's, and I'm sure there are so many kids that do feel that way. So I think related to the point with safe and supportive schools, I think that's, that's very much a pillar of ours. And um, so I think that needs to be addressed. Kind of parallel, but mm -hmm. you know, connected. A um, looking at the unit A contract here, um, there will be no school or professional development scheduled on the Friday preceding Labor Day. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's why. So that one's <laughs> forever. <laughs> what about the twenty second of November? <laughs> Um, and, and the 22nd uh, or the Wednesday before it is, yeah. well it's also something that can be reopened you know probably not for next year but no no yeah sure it could be but yeah negotiated. maybe looking that yeah. up that's yeah. um okay so we'll keep talking about this thank you all so much <laughs> thank you again Anna for sure leading us in that, you know, through that policy piece. And, um, okay, so, okay. We already, I'm like, sorry. Okay. We're on superintendent evaluation subcommittee yes. report. Um, why is it, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess one other, I'm sorry, oh, just because I'm reading off something that's computer, but one other question um, related to that topic is uh, attendance policy for students who miss for religious reasons. Do we have, I assume that is in the handbook that I voted to approve too, and mm -hmm. I'm not remembering it. Um, but I assume there's are considered yeah. excuse yeah. days. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if excuse days yeah, count against perfect attendance awards or something else. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know if that's another piece of this as well of if it is not, if people, we're not having a day where every person is off, how are we making it like okay for mm -hmm. folks to take those days? And maybe it's a separate policy of identifying these are particular days in which when when kids miss, they're allowed to again make up tests, or like we can, we don't schedule unit exams on these days, or whatever else. Situations. And I think that is in our policy currently. Yeah. That, that was part of our update two years yeah. ago. Right. Yeah. But it could definitely be clear, more clearly communicated out. Like, I don't think there's been very intentional messaging around that. So you know that could be something a step that we could take. Um, all right, for the superintendent evaluation subcommittee report, um, so let's see. Um, I just um, would like to thank Anna and Mark for 
and of course, Peter, we had a good meeting. I'm a given. Uh, where we <laughs> kind of sketched out this proposed timeline. Um, and we are um, bringing this to you for just as an update and for any input that um, either of you might have to this proposal. Uh, you can see that it kind of a little retroactive. Um, here we are on November 1st, we're presenting this process and timeline to you. Um, and then going forward, we've kind of mapped out in relation to the two main public meetings, which are scheduled, which are the mid-year check-in and the final evaluation, um, what the process is that we're proposing. So we're interested in any feedback or input. The goal is to get it done right before the new, yeah. mm -hmm. the reorganization meeting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So obviously the bulk of the work we'll all be doing is not until March. Um, but we would hear about, uh, we'll hear from Peter on January 3rd. That will be a report he'll present um, to provide um, like updates on his progress toward his goals. In mm -hmm. my New Year's message. <laughs> I mean, there's no getting around it, right? The window between the mid <laughs> and the end is, is so short. Like blank, and it's there. Yeah, it it just it you know it's it's not ideal, but I don't think there's any 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 way of working around that. I do think for next year we can strive to you know do the mid year prior to winter break. Mm -hmm. So that's a goal we but. Our timeline this year didn't really come together for that um, with, you know, not looking at goals until later in September and then um, forming the evaluation subcommittee, which kind of slowed, added a couple weeks mm -hmm. to the process. So. We could um, move the goals to August. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to give it its fair, yeah. fair time. Because I, I, I agree. Just how much change are we going to see right between January and? That makes sense. Okay, that's something we can keep in mind for next year. But for given where we're at now, yeah. And it would be nice to codify this into procedure. Mm-hmm. 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 That's good. Any other thoughts? This is like, to me, this is like huge advance. Awesome. Yes. I, mean, I just feel so good about this because <laughs> day and night. It's, it's come a long way in a couple of years. And it's yes. really, I feel good that we're able to like honor your being here. And we, I, to me, this is like us wanting to do right by you. Looks great. And like try to actually hold ourselves accountable for a process that is fair. Um, and that supports the work you're doing. So we will, um, we will be busy in the last few weeks of our term. Um, well, last few weeks of my term and Bev's term, the rest of you are still here, but like, um, we won't really touch back on this for the Several weeks now. Okay, great. Um, so that is, let's see, we already did finance. We already did policy. We're not doing school building committee. So that just means we're approving minutes from uh, August, oh my God, October <laughs> 18th. I will just say um, I have not yet completed the minutes from last week's retreat, but I'll be doing that. So we'll be able to have those for next time. But for right now, um, I'll make a motion to approve the Milton School Committee meeting minutes from October 18th, 2023. Is there a second? Second. Any edits? I'm quickly scanning because I did not read this ahead of time. My apologies. That's fine. Take your time. I need to ask fewer questions. I'm good. Okay. All right. All in favor? Okay. It's unanimous. Thank you. And the last part is just next minute, next meeting agenda items. So 
Um, we have had on the plan Tucker Site Council. Is that still yep. the plan? FY25 budget calendar. I mean, Glenn is coming back next week, so. Mm. It would be good to go over that. We, we do need a We haven't finance, talked about it. We need a finance subcommittee prior to that. Yeah, yeah we haven't talked about the quarter four report or the quarter one report. <laughs> We're mostly through quarter two. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Have those meetings been confirmed? Which ones? The sub-finance subcommittee. I believe they have, yes. Okay. So they're on the calendar? I believe that's what I saw, yeah. I'm saying believe because <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, quite a long journey and I'm... And those are all cross-posted, right, too? Should be. So you were on those emails, they should right? Be. They're not they're not in the calendar. Do you see them? No. When when was the next so one? So look at, I'm looking right like there's Yeah. Yeah. They're not in my I I don't see them in the calendar. The, the, you mean the schedule, like a invite in your calendar is correct. Like, yeah. Correct. I saw a confirmation by email, that, but I... I saw back and forth, but yeah. I wasn't sure if we... Yeah. Said. I will confirm Cause tomorrow. I'm, yeah, because okay. yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank yeah. you. And then... Um, okay, so we'll just wait and see which budget-related elements we will have next week. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll know more by the time we meet mm -hmm. to discuss agenda. Less. Okay. Yep. And then we have, you mentioned an enrollment report. Yep. Uh, we'll have the FY25 capital requests back potentially. Hopefully. Yep. Okay. Um, and then I think I'm supposed to do a report from the MASC annual meeting. So that will be under the chair's report. Um, and anything else at this time? I think we have a policy meeting on the 14th. Right, so we will have reports from policy, finance, um, or any other, maybe school building committee. School building should have one. And uh, facility advisories meeting on the 15th for our meeting. Okay. And I'll have, let's see, I will not. Okay, so I think that's it for right now. Do we need to approve the music true proposal at all? They were gonna come back to us. They are gonna come back later. Yeah, okay. I think that was just- It's a process that I'd like to review. Like, yeah. it's for information. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me currently. That they come once to talk yeah, about it, and I mean, that happens. One, that they come better. twice, and two, like that they come to the school committee for approval when it's a it's an administrative operational mm -hmm. process. So it's it just it's, that part's I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. I could, I could yeah, maybe. It happens. It happens with another trip too. Like the DC trip. The DC. Well, it's all the out. Yeah. It, sa it yeah. says out of state mm -hmm. required. Yeah. The school committee. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's just something we could talk about as we talk about policy. Mm -hmm. All right, well, is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. All in favor? Yes. So much. Thank you for the principal updates, by the way. I meant to say that. Oh, yeah.